Welcome to episode one of Version Final, a podcast about where ideas come from. Today's guest is Xavier Teo. Zave is the executive creative director at CNX, leading a team of talented creatives, designers, and producers. He's worked at agencies all over the world, starting at Ogilvy in Singapore, before working at Modernista in Boston and Anomaly in New York, and then joining Condé Nast last year. He's also a fine artist, electronic music aficionado, and an all-around good guy. And he'll be our co-host from time to time throughout Version Final. Here are a couple highlights from our conversation. We talked about how Zay became interested in advertising when he was young. And suddenly there's this guy who came into the scene, and we all know who he is, which is Michael Jordan. And I was really young, I was a teen. I was looking at this guy, I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. I, I just love the way he played, I love his attitude, and he has all these dope shoes that was banned from the NBA. And later on, I really became a big fan of this brand called Nike. And all I wanted to do was to wear Nike shoes to play basketball. He talked about how the industry has evolved from when he started as a college student in Singapore. A lot of people are worried about where it's going to go, advertising is going to die. Advertising is not going to die. But I find it extremely exciting to be in that space because, again, I like the Wow Wow West. We talked about what an idea is and what it can do. An idea could build a country. An idea could change the world. Uh, Rome is built on an idea, right? He told us what happens when he sees a great idea. But you can just tell that people's brains are turning, whether it's the strategy, the account, the person, the project manager, or anybody. Even before we get there, in, within a room with creative people, there is a sense of energy that, that, that lights up. Everybody gets excited about something, then you start talking about something. And finally, we talked about what keeps him excited. But I just hate the idea of being an expert. I just think being, student, being a student is so much more fun. Being a student of your craft, being a student of the world, being open and just learning about things is, is so much more fun. Let's start by how you got here, how you got to be an ECD here. What's your career path to leading creative at CNX? So um, maybe it's just, just start from my background on how I got into advertising in the first place, which is a kind of interesting journey. I was born and raised from Singapore. And I think my first sort of like interaction with advertising and when I first knew about the power of marketing and advertising started at a very young age. And that's interesting because I never ever thought that I would be in this industry. And I think my first sort of interaction that really got me into it was actually basketball in a very strange way because I grew up in the 70s I was a kid and really liked playing basketball and back in the day there were two teams fighting against each other right the Celtics and the Lakers and suddenly there's this guy who came into the scene and we all know who he is which is Michael Jordan and I was really young I was a teen I was looking at this guy I was like oh my god this guy's amazing I, I just love the way he played I love his attitude and he has all these dope shoes that was banned from the NBA and later on I came to really became a big fan of this brand called Nike. And all I wanted to do was to wear Nike shoes to play basketball. And of course, I didn't grow up in a very sort of like wealthy family, almost middle class. Uh, parents couldn't afford it, but I always wanted to be like Jordan. So I completely got sold into that brand. So I watched every single 
TV commercials that 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 shows showcase Jordan in a way. I want to be like him. Want to play like him. And to be honest with you, I really got into that brand without me even knowing that I got into that brand. So, so I truly believe right now, looking back, that you don't love a brand because you have good taste or whatever. You get sold into the brand without you even knowing. And that whole piece of marketing when it comes to the whole Jordan campaign was brilliant. And in my mid twenties, when I start working and I start getting active, Nike became a brand that I would only wear regardless of whatever sports I play. I think that was my first interaction of how powerful advertising could be. And later on, yeah, that's that's just it. I decided to drop out of school actually because I hate the whole system of how schools forces you to think a certain way. And I'm also always been a kind of a creative person. I just want to go and explore myself and. And being an art school for a while, so I got into an art school. Uh, wasn't for too long. I went to an art school for about less than a year. I dropped off from art school because I hate people telling me what to do in an art school. That's the irony of it. And got into advertise. My first advertising job was interesting. I first got into advertising by designing banners for one of the biggest, actually one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world called Ogilvy Meter. Which I have no idea they were one of the biggest in the world. I was just a kid that was really curious about the internet, teach myself how to code, and really like digital media, really like music, really like designing. And I will get back into,、uh, into that because in the early two thousand, late nineties, the internet was a very different space, and I think that it's actually a really healthy creative space because there's no. Centralized way of doing things. There's no rules. You just make things and you share it with people in forums and in spaces in on websites, and that's how you become creative. So, and this is when when you start. This is the early、young. days of online advertising. When are you at Ogilvy and and you're in Singapore? I assume I was in Singapore. I think it. I I was I was about nineteen to twenty years old. So that's a that's easily about twenty one years back. So it was wild, wild west. The,、uh, people have no idea what to do online, and it's the it's the first version of Flash just came on, and and nobody really know what to do with it. So if you know how to use the software, you get hired. That's it. So that was my first interaction getting into sort of like a creative industry, but I never thought that I'll be in advertising. But when I started working there, I started knowing all these creative directors, art directors. And I just thought, wow, this is actually a fun job to to be doing, and and it seems like it pays me good money, being at that age, trying to make banners for people. So, yeah, I, I thought it was just a fun industry to be. And then fast forward now, it's been so long, and and I still、how、love you, it. Just going back there quickly, how did you go from art school, not liking rules, which doesn't totally surprise me, right? And how did you find that job? How did you make that connection? Yeah, I think. I think music has always been a big part of my life, other than sports. So, when I actually went to art school, I didn't study advertising. So I was I was more curious about making sculptures and paintings, and most importantly, creating more artful expressions of of myself, rather than trying to study what marketing is about. I always find that kind of dry and boring. I'm always very curious about culture, about music. So I started to dive a lot into. Designing, creating installation, listening to electronic music, and from there f- fell in love with a lot of labels and 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 the design aspects of music, which is album covers and stuff like that. 
And like I said, the internet was a crazy space back then. You can do something, put it up, and suddenly you get connected by somebody from the other side of the globe. So there were times where I was collaborating with some designers in Belgium, in Amsterdam, and we start making things together, whether it's a book or an album cover or, or, or just creating stuff. And when I start making all this graphics and design, I decided to build a website just for the fun of it. It's not even for self-promotion. It's not even a portfolio. I don't, I, I, I didn't even knew what a portfolio site was about. I just want to make things. So I learned how to code and I built a website for myself. And I guess from there, somebody found uh, my website and just decided to contact me and my friend, actually. It was another guy friend of mine called Jason. We were starting to trying to build something on the internet. It was kind of fun. And we went for an interview and we got a job. That's it. And it, it, it was a freelance job. It wasn't even a full-time job. Mm. So that's how I got into advertising. Designing banners. Designing banners for actually pretty big companies. I think the first banner I designed was for Nokia. And Nokia was a big brand. Nokia was probably like Apple now, right? Back in right, the day. This is the this is pretty <laughs> smartphone. This is 10 exactly. years, eight, 10 years before the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward a bit. When did you come to the US? Where'd you land first? And what was that gig? Yeah, so after after this crazy experience at Ogilvy, and I start to get a sort of sense that this might be my career path because it's cool. I, I'm, I like the people that I'm meeting with. I like learning new things. And I had to go to the army. So I was in the army for two and a half years. But by then, I somewhat knew that I want to be a designer, uh, interactive designer, or something to do with marketing and advertising. But on the side, still explore that, that artist side of me, just continue to create and paint. So uh, when I got off from army, I got a job offer from my previous creative directors that I worked with, basically the guy who hired me in the first place, and say, hey, you know, I'm starting this new company. It's a young company. Do you want to come and work with me? So again, I, I, I got hired making banners again, banners. And by then, I think we were in the phase of very, very early stages of flash microsites. So I was always inspired by the technology side of things, no doubt. But I, I actually feel that during that time, storytelling on the internet was a lot more creative because everybody's trying to outdo each other. I was always a fan of agencies like Goodby and Crispin back in the day. They had a good run. They are, they are so creative in finding ways to combine brands and the way they tell stories. And now these days we're talking about interactive experiences and interactive storytelling, but that happened way, 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 way before now, you know, people were already doing that. Now for a it's long much time. more structured. It's yeah, much more like more. these are these are the places that you tell exactly. stories. Back then, it was just crazy. People were just making stuff, trying to push the technology as much as possible, and there wasn't much of a like rules to play on, or it has to load on a mobile phone. You can get a loading screen that loads for a minute, and you just wait and see what happens. And I think that was great. And there's a lot of things to learn, and there's a lot of stupid mistakes that we make, but that was amazing. So I went through the whole phase of. Flash and, and and creating all this storytelling, whether it's making microsites. But in Asia, it was actually really interesting because we started off being very mobile-centric. So there were a lot of times we were creating very simple campaigns for SMS and stuff like that, which is really interesting. So from there, working in, at this small company, it was full circle. I went back to Ogilvy again. And back then, I think now still even, Ogilvy in Singapore is one of the best Ogilvy offices around the world. So I was a very proud kid. I went back full circle, went, went in as art director, spent about five years there, built my career, and truly understand this whole idea of what advertising is about. I wouldn't say that I truly understand it, but I got a hang of it 
I was like, all right, this is interesting. I know what a concept is about. Yeah, kind of know what a concept is about. But most importantly, I, I changed from being just a digital art director into somebody who is more interested in bigger brand storytelling. That is when I start learning from my, my, my seniors, my creative directors. They were teaching me this whole notion of, of a concept. But the whole idea of a concept wasn't hard for me because I came from an arts background, which the idea of concept is so crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a lot really about expressing yourself, but, but we'll get to that, I guess. But the concept within a marketing environment is a lot more structured in that sense. So spent a good five years in Ogilvy doing a few campaigns, a uh, few good campaigns actually for Levi's and, and DHL, one of those big brands. And suddenly I just got a job offer from Boston. I don't think it happened for no reason because I think I was doing pretty well in Asia. So I just got a job offer in Boston, met up with these two guys from really creative agency called Modernista back in the day. Uh, I still remember they were one of those crazy company who started this whole notion of a sightless site. They were the first who, who really showed the world like you don't really need to build a website to communicate what you want to communicate because if you want to upload a video, that's YouTube, that's Wikipedia, you know, that's back in the day, that's Facebook. Uh, so what they did was they just basically combining all these platforms together and put a logo on top of it. It created quite a big hoo-ha within, at least within the creative industry. So I went down and had an interview with the founders, had the best interview ever because all they were interested about is where I came from, my experiences, am I a good person, can I work here because it's a crazy environment. And of course, talent aside, I guess, uh, they just like my energy, right? And I just like their energy as well. So we clicked. So I packed a few boxes, a few vinyls, a few clothes, and I and I and I came over to Boston. And there was, I guess, that was the best time and the worst time to be in advertising. But I always tell everybody that if you can survive during that point of time doing whatever you are doing, you can survive anything. Which it, why was, was it the worst? It was. It was. It was in between two thousand eight and two thousand nine. And we all know oh, that because of the financial crisis. Was, it was exactly, okay. it was so bad. The first thing people cut is marketing and advertising, right? So we spent a lot of time. We had big clients like uh, GM, Cadillac, Hummer, Red, to name a few. And we are still trying because Modernista was such a creative-driven company. I think there's a, a lot of people who still respect what the company stood for. So during that time, we still have all really creative-driven people really passionate account people, really smart strategies, trying to make do of what we have during those point of time. It was tough, it was tough, I'm not gonna lie, the first three years in America for me, or just going through that phase, it was, it was really hard. And then, let's jump ahead now. Uh, you joined, you've been here about a year. Yeah. At CNX. Yep. What made you wanna kind of come out of that traditional advertising world into what we're building with CNX? I think there's something really interesting just from my personal perspective that I never really see myself as sort of like whether I'm a digital creative or a traditional advertising person. I know a lot of people say that, but just from my background, I started really early as a digital creative and then became, my portfolio was really funny. The way that I did all this work is actually went from really digital uh, centric work to more and more to like bigger campaigns. And now if you even look at my site, people will classify me that, oh, Xavier, you only make all these big campaigns or like big TV commercials. But I actually don't really care because to me, that's just the way it is. And I'm also really open to opening myself to different ways of working. So when this opportunity came along, 
to spearhead the creative department within CNX. I find it extremely exciting, scary. But most importantly, I think this is what the world is going towards. Because more and more so, advertising companies are trying to shape themselves into something else. And mass media companies are trying to get more offerings where they can pair brands and, and they are influenced together, but driven by creative ideas. Even if you just look at, I had this conversation a couple of times with friends. My older friends were telling me that back in the day, it will all be just advertising companies. And that all slowly evolved into tech companies coming in, be it your Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, or Google. And then now it just evolves into something else. Production companies becoming content company, mass media company, publishing company like us becoming mass media company. Consulting companies. Yeah, exactly. Have a huge presence. Exactly. It just becomes, and we have a huge presence there. It just becomes this whole mishmash of, of people trying to generate and create the best ideas for clients. And also marketing dollar has been going up year on year, but it's just going to different spaces. And a lot of people are worried about where it's going to go, advertising is going to die. Advertising is not going to die. But I find it extremely exciting to be in that space where, because again, I like the wild, wild west and I like that time, just like how I liked the internet back in the beginning. I, I like it when there's no rules, there's no formula and nobody really knows what's happening. And I think that that will allow better ideas to, that we can come up with better ideas for clients. But most importantly, it's just more fun in that sense, you know? Speaking of no rules, what do you think about constraints? You know, what do, when you, That's a because, very because I would question. describe, uh, I have, a, I guess, a little bit of an inside look because we work together. But I would describe you as a responsible creative leader. I think I'm pretty responsible. I think you, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're responsible to the client and to the, yeah. you know, to what the brief asks for yeah. and all that. When you get a brief from a client, when you have those initial conversations, how do you take that and kind of guide your ideation process for yourself and the teams that you work with? Right. Speaking about constraint, I think at least I can only speak to my experience in advertising. It's actually a good thing because ultimately, we are trying to solve a business problem, right? So I always try to tell younger creatives that as much as we are trying to be artful, we are trying to be really, really creative, but we are still first and foremost in the business of business science that requires a lot of craft and art involved. To me, the constraints within what we are doing is a good thing because it helps us focus. And I think a lot of times we are not. And even when we start talking to clients and when we, when we try to decode, like you being a strategist, it's all about keeping us focused. And when we get to that point that we're hyper-focused, that is when we realize if it works or not, then we can pivot really quickly. If you're just telling me that you're just trying to sell beers off the shelf without telling me the exact problem, because you just can't just tell me that we are losing sales. That doesn't work. But we have to go into a deep dive of exactly why you are not making money, why you're losing sales, is it because of design? Is it because of taste? Is it because of something else? So I think creating a sandbox of constraints actually is the way to go and actually will work better and will allow me to be more creative in at least in the advertising sense. So some people might disagree, but I, but I like having constraints. I think it helps me focus a lot. How do you separate those things? Do you save certain things for your art, like in your in your apartment, you have a bunch of art. Right. You have other people's in your own. You obviously like mm -hmm. love to create. How do you compartmentalize those things? That's 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 interesting because 
I think I just have different minds for different things. And creativity is creativity. It's the underlining of who I am. But I'm constantly curious about what are we trying to solve and what are we trying to make. Even I think my art has no difference from the way I approach problems because my art, the, at least the way I make it, solves a very important problem in my life. That is to create uh, a space where my mind is not thinking. So that is solving a very big piece of, of things that I need because I need that time and space where my mind is not thinking too hard. And that's it's in just the process about, of creation. Exactly. It's just, it's just immerse myself in the process of creation and in the process of making. So back to from a job perspective, I just think that it's not really that much of a difference because they are, all, they are both serving a, a very focused purpose and trying to solve a problem at the same time. We talked a bit about this, kind of the, the different people that you collaborate with and, you know, as we talk about constraints. To you, what makes a good partner? And I, and I would say, as a creative, what makes a good creative partner? Um, for people who don't know, a lot of creatives are paired up as an art director and a writer, although that's evolved a little bit. So what makes a good partner there, but also in, you know, a producer, account person, strategist, et cetera? Right. What, do you, what do you look for in that? I think, I think what makes a good creative partner is, I would say somebody that is always positive. I find positivity in our industry is really important because it's tough. I mean, selling a great idea is tough. I like this whole notion that an idea doesn't belong in a meeting room. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I came up with that. I read it somewhere. I, come, I, just, I think it might be Jonathan Ive. That is so delicate that it doesn't belong in a meeting room, but yet we are constantly every day trying to sell the best ideas to the client. And most of the time, we have no idea how to make it. We have somewhat of an idea that, that it's going to work maybe based on the data that we have or consumer insights, but nobody really knows, come on. Being good is just a given to me, and I like having that standard to be able to be to be able to work here in CNX or to be able to be working together with the people that we are currently working with. Being good is just a given. But I think having somebody who understands how to support the entire team to push along, and sometimes I can be the guy getting frustrated. Somebody else needs to be the support system. It's almost really like a like a husband and wife relationship, <laughs> and I think that makes a good part. You can't just have two fiery person at the same time running a, a multi-million dollar account, that's never going to work. I think that will create a lot of fiction. I think a great creative partner also is, is also somebody who really listens and both ends, listens to you, listens to the client and a good sounding board. I think that an honest sounding board and it's not selfish because a lot of time we get really selfish about what we want to make because it's, our, it's either our idea or we just prefer to work with somebody or we just want to see our ideas come to life. And I think those are the very important things. Within partners, do you often see that one tries to take credit over the other? I mean, I know that would, I assume that would be a sign of an unhealthy relationship, or does that happen, or is it usually I mean, like... I mean, I mean, it definitely happens. I, that, that's worse when you get into making things, because sometimes when you have two very senior voices, somebody has to listen to one, and I totally understand that. That's when I get to production, right? Uh, especially, I, sometimes I have a lot of empathy for producers, because first and foremost, their job is to stop a train from crashing all the, most of the time, whether it's budgets, timelines, or, or, or just creative egos. But the second thing that is really filtering through what needs to get done, and a lot of times if you have two partners that are not necessarily on the same page, it generates a lot of problems down the line because they just don't know which one to go to. And I'm always trying to make that 
train to understand that that will cause a lot of problem down the road. So what I would do, being a good creative partner, is I will make sure that we're always clear. I think clear is a very, very, very important word for anybody who wants to be a creative director. You have to be clear about your thoughts. You have to be clear about what you're saying. You have to be absolutely clear, even if you are wrong, so that somebody could go explore and come and tell you that you're crazy. But being unclear is the worst thing ever because you just send everybody spinning. And is this in? In presenting ideas, and, or more, are you talking about no, in the context no, it, of giving it, feedback to, yeah, to creative it, teams? Even if when I used to, I, I, the funny thing is, I don't really have a lot of creative partners, but I do have a couple of them. But what I would do as a, as 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 the the one half is to make sure that we are both on the same page. Even we will fight behind closed doors in a cafe or or at lunch, but I wouldn't step into a room with two very strong voices. Talking about something and just send everybody spinning. Sometimes we do that because we don't have time. But I would just shut down the meeting because I think it's very important for 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 at least those two person to be on the same page. Whether you agree or you disagree, you got to come up with something so that and so that you don't confuse anybody. But we don't have time to 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 be confused and to be spinning anymore. That that time is a luxury these days. And then so that's kind of collaborating with creative partners. And what do you look for in partnership from? Account strategy production, kind of like right. people who are outside of your your purview. I, I think these days is the industry is getting so interesting and exciting. I personally find it really exciting because there's more and more people from different backgrounds, and we we talk about this and uh, the idea of what an idea is about these days is so different. When you're in an advertising company, it's kind of specific. But when you go into a mass media company like us, there's so many ways to think about an idea. An idea could be a talent. An idea could be a piece of really, really good editorial writing. And there are people coming from very different backgrounds who have different ways of thinking about what an idea is about. It's not always just this big brand idea that we, we, that, that, that we strive for in a, at least in the advertising industry. So I think what makes a good account person, I truly still believe that it's a lost art because relationships are very important and more so and more and more because I think we are in a stage where we try to produce so much things in a very short period of time, be it social or digital. Every single production you go on is just, just piled on with different formats and stuff like that. So I think a good account person or a good business director is A, really trying to get the trust and that relationships because I came to realize that you're only as good as your client. You can only be as successful as your client. So if you if you don't have somebody who truly could help you sell an idea or or try to just at crucial times gain that respect from whoever CMO or clients that you're talking to it's just going to be very hard for you to be successful that's just from my experience my best work are always made with a really 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 talented really good human a, a person who really runs the business and and I'll never forget that that's just at least from the account side and I think strategy is really important right especially now Comms strategy, brand strategy, all kinds of strategy you're talking about is getting more and more important because we don't have the luxury to just walk into a presentation and say, this is what you're going to do, and then this is this, and then, and then, and then. It used to be like that, but now with how people consume everything, we have to be very specific about a piece of creative work and where it's going. I will challenge in this podcast this whole notion of a integrated 360 idea, that we always try to solve, but yeah, no doubt you need a you need a big idea, 
but sometimes maybe in our world, I, I don't know, I might be totally wrong, but maybe things doesn't need to be that matching luggage anymore because we don't see things like that anymore. So I think I'm curious about how we can use that idea and explore more the way we the way we communicate. But that that is when a good piece of communication strategy comes along. You know, keeping us hyper focused is what's really important, at least for strategy. So and producers, they are just. Uh, I think producers are just as creative as creative people because they are so important in the creative process. And uh, if something goes wrong, we will not get the result that we want. So I think they are the unsung heroes of, of all these glitz that we see sometimes in award shows and stuff like that. But I truly think that, that producers deserve a lot of credit because of the amount of stress they need to go through from every single, from, from production companies, from us, from the clients. And yeah, I think they are really the unsung heroes for when we are making things or for whatever campaigns that we are making. Maybe let's start with what your definition of, of an idea is. And I know you talked a bit about how, it, how it's a little different depending on the context. So like when you see a couple different things expressed, how do you go, this one's an idea, this has what? I think, I think it's interesting that uh, we, we briefly spoke about this, Ben, is I think idea is one of the most profound thing that, that ever exists in human civilization because an idea could build a country, an idea could change the world. Uh, Rome is built on an idea, right? And it's almost so abstract. But if you look at, to your point, like what really is an idea? Idea is about, is I think we spend more time thinking about how to make this idea work or whether it solves a certain problem than exactly what an idea is about. You know what I'm saying? So I think back to how how we are starting to work with different people. And I was watching an episode on Netflix, which is abstract. How a UX designer looks at an idea is very different from how I look at an idea. So I think, again, back to that whole notion, is, is constraint a good thing? And what we do, I think it's absolutely necessary because if not, we will start spinning and coming up with different things. I think that the constraint comes with the problem that we are trying to solve. And then that comes with the idea that we generate. And that is actually a filter. It's our idea solving that problem or are we just doing these things because we think it's the way to go or we think it's cool or we think we are going to get PR but what exactly we are trying to solve is going to detail what the idea is about so I think it's, it's slightly different in different cases these days so it has to solve a problem yep. and then how do you know an average idea could solve a problem Right. how do you know it's a good one and, and, and what kind of in your background or like in your I don't know, education or whatever informs that. I don't know. There is something about, everybody talks about using data to decide whether it's a good idea. There is really something about when you see an idea, when you, at first thing, it needs to get everybody excited, not just me. I, I truly believe that when somebody comes up with a nugget of an idea, it automatically spins off into 10 different type of things. And whether they are right, they are wrong, they are spur of the moment. But you can just tell that people brains are turning, whether it's the strategy, the account person, the project manager or anybody, even before we get there in, within a room with creative people, there is a sense of energy that, that, that lights up. Everybody gets excited about something, then you start talking about something. And then the next thing you need to do, maybe you don't get the luxury anymore, you kind of need to sleep on it. I truly believe on sleeping on an idea. You really need to sleep on it. One of my favorite designer, Ralph Siemens, was interesting because he wrote an article about how he couldn't keep up with the fashion industry because the season approach to 
designing just doesn't apply to him because he, he, he couldn't keep up with the seasons. He needs to look at his design, sleep and wake up and change his design again and, and, and sleep again and look at it again. I truly believe in that. So if you wake up next morning with a clear mindset, with a clear mind, read the brief again, read all the information you have. And if you feels good, there's something there. And the next step, I think, is to really try to push it, whether it's creatively, whether it's writing, or really from a strategy standpoint. And I, I'm a pretty open person. I think when I was working in a, a couple of years ago, I was working in LA, Deutsch, I have, a, I have a really good mentor. And he's always the guy that's always willing to share ideas with people. And I realized that he's not, uh, in later part of my, of my career with spending time with him, I realized that he's actually not asking for approval. He's asking to see if people could spin up more ideas out of that idea that he had. Or are there any red flags that he needs to solve? And that is a very important thing. And I was really impressed with that because he will, he will then take all the feedback and trying to solve those red flags. And during that process, he actually makes the idea a lot better. So I think it always starts with an energy. I hate to say it. Of course, it needs to hit the brief. Then you look at it. Is it even an interesting idea? Has somebody done it before? But then it starts with an energy. And then from that energy, I think be open. Just share with people. See what people think. A lot of times, I think we are so close-minded. We are so scared. But we don't realize that more people could actually make the ideas better. And also, you have the, you, you, you have the right to disagree with people. So, so what is that to lose? I think sharing with people, I think that's when you decide whether, whether this is the right idea to go or not. You know, I think, I think at this day and age, it's just too much to say that it's a stroke of genius. There's still a little bit of that. I'm not saying that there aren't. But I think I like the whole idea of getting people together. And it comes to a point where you take consolidated feedback and you decide. So I think, I think there's a different way of thinking about it is we become too collaborative. We have to get everybody consensus. That is when it falls apart. I truly think that's when it falls apart. I think ultimately there still needs to be a core group of people making decisions. That is how you decide whether it's a good idea or not. How do you do that? How do you decide which feedback to take and what to not take? <laughs> oh, wow. Sometimes it's really personal. Sometimes it's just, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do that because that just sounds like does a bad depend, idea. Does it depend on who it's coming from? It depends. It depends. It's, uh, you, I, I would always try to take in more feedback and I always, always try to engage more people. But you're right. But sometimes you just, it's a few things, right? It's based on experience, uh, based on discussion. That's when a good account person comes in as well because sometimes they have uh, insider knowledge of what the business is about and they will give you hints on whether this is what the client wants. And sometimes it's just pure instinct that you just feel like this is the way to go. And, and again, I say like, it's, it's really hard to just run something based on that. So you, you probably just need to open it up and talk to people. Yeah, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but it's a complicated process. One of the things that you've talked about a lot is, is a lot of your inspirations. Right. Artists, uh, different designers, people in the fashion world, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Who inspires you now? But I think maybe more importantly, how do you gain those sources of inspiration? How do right. you do you seek them out? Do you like what's your kind of process for gaining inspiration? I think inspiration is like food. It's what you put in your body. I really do think so because I think there are people who are just really funny writers, and if you really study what they consume, I believe there's a lot of times maybe it's, maybe it's stuff that inspire them in a certain way or they are definitely experts in that field, you know. For myself, I think that you constantly just need to seek out what makes you 
passionate? What makes you feel passionate? I think the feeling of feeling passionate, maybe there's a percentage of it is when you see something, therefore you decide whether it's a good idea or not because you feel a passion for an idea. So if your passion is music, go see shows. If your passion is art, go to as many galleries as possible. But I think ultimately, it's about keeping young. I hate to be, I, I hate to be an expert. You know, even I hate I you, you know that I hate to be an expert of in advertising or people say that oh yes you have experience doing this. I hate having experiences. I always Does it make always, you feel old. Yeah, that is one. That's, that is a small that percentage. You, that, is that someone telling you that uh, it's time to retire? Or something? Yeah, no, that is one percentage. All right, but that's that may, maybe maybe that's one percent. But I just hate the idea of being an expert. I just think being a student is so much more fun. Being a student of your craft, being a student of the world, being open and just learning about things is so much more fun. Because once you are stuck in a way of doing things or a way of thinking about things. You just you just get comfortable, and as human beings, we always get comfortable with things. That's why I always I always try to push myself to experience new things. To it's not that I'm out all the time, but it's it's I just try to keep an open mind about the music that I listen to, about the things that I read, about points of views from people. I think that's very important. Keeping your mind young is really important. I think I think so. I think I think I think that's the trick to getting your inspiration. Also, just knowing what. People are doing these days. I won't even say kids. Just in general, what people are doing, what people like to do. I like to observe how people consume things, because whether it's information, whether it's food, I just like watching people. I just like how to to see how people, what clothes they are wearing and stuff like that. I think you can get a lot of inspiration from just people in general, just by paying close attention to people rather than your phones. Although people look at people on their phones, but it's more of a curated, more. More manicured version of how they want the world to see them, but I like the more greedier, raw side on how people do their day-to-day lives. So, how could people who may not see themselves as creative be more creative? I think the first thing you need to believe is you are creative. I think I think if you truly believe that you are creative, then you can create, and you have a mind, you have you're an interesting person that you can think, and you can write. I think writing is the most important thing. As long as you can write, you can put words on paper. And I'm an art director, by the way. So that's the purest expression of creativity, in my point of view. So anybody, whether you are not in the creative field, that you want to be creative, I think, I think the first thing to do is to open your laptop, take a piece of paper, and just write something. That, but you can never change somebody's mindset if they don't believe that they are a creative person. They will never be creative. But if they truly believe that they have a creative mind and they want to express themselves. In different ways, I think just start off with just writing. I, I think the first thing is to believe. The second thing is to execute. And you, the more you execute, the more you do. The ten thousand hour rules, I think, is a real thing. The more you write, the more you do, and it becomes something. And before you realize that you're writing all these words, let's just say that you start writing and you start writing every day, and it became all these words, and you put all these words together, it becomes a painting. That's how creativity evolves, and I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Do you think society would benefit from more creative expression? Do you think we need it, or do you think there's sort of enough in the world? No, there's never enough. Like I, I really, I think that the world always needs more creativity. But these days, actually, creativity comes with a lot of responsibilities, like having a superpower. The reason why I say it as well because I'm obsessed with how people starts to.、Uh, the more I read about technology and how it, how it has impact influence in our lives. 
whether you're in advertising or not, whether you're creating an app, whether you're designing something that's super innovative, we are putting things out in the world and people consume that. So it had never occurred to me before. It never happened to me before. But I think that more and more we need to start thinking about what messages we are putting out there, what kind of experiences we are putting out there. Because it does affect society, it does affect people. People consume and people think about things a certain way. It's a tough thing because, because when you start to push yourself so far, again, this is another quote that, that I read somewhere, when you innovate so hard, it's hard to know what are the consequences. And I think we are at a stage where we are facing that, whether it's how technology affects our lives, to how we try to generate products, trying to have startups, but we but we are we are not being friendly to the planet, and people trying to do that. Are we making clothing that are sustainable? But before that, we are not thinking about it. We just want to make clothes that looks cool, and people buy, trying to start a business, trying to survive. But I think these days, an idea, whether it's a business idea or an idea that you have, after you come up with that, even if it's just an advertising idea, you have to be responsible about how you talk about things. Because a lot of times people say, we don't care about advertising, but it does have impacts in the world, like the messages that we put out. Going back to an early part of our conversation, you know, when you think back about that young guy watching the Lakers and Celtics who fell in love with Michael Jordan, what would he think about where you're at now and kind of how you've gotten here? I think I'm still the same boy, to be honest with you. It's exactly what it is. Just don't be boring. I mean, that young guy is pretty, I think as I get older, the young guy is pretty aggressive. You want to compete. I think that's the reason why I, I left the country and I came here and I do what I want to do because, and I enjoy being in the advertising industry because I, you compete with people all the time, whether it's companies competing with people, but there's a, that's a competitive aspect of it that I enjoy. So I think the young guy, I'm still the same guy. I'm just a lot more, I'm just, I'm just a little bit older and I would like to say that I'm, I'm a lot more level-headed, but I think, I, I think the person is still the same. I still want to compete. I still want to come up with ideas that have impact in the world. I still want to help all the brands to create great marketing campaigns that we can all point to and be proud. Uh, yeah, I still want to start a place where the most creative people could come and work and be creative and still make a good living. And I love advertising. Yes, offer me so much. I, I knew all my friends here. I knew all my artist friends. Uh, you know, I get to travel around the world with, with directors making stuff for brands and seeing brands get successful, solving their business problem. I, I think it's a great industry to be in. I think we're just in a moment where we are changing. And that change is actually good because that change equals a space that we have no idea what's going on that allows really crazy things to happen. And I like that. Xavier. Yay. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you. Thank thanks you. for it was fun. I hope it makes sense. Thanks for <laughs> helping us kick this off. This was Thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. Thank you so much. Version Final is recorded in the Condé Nast Podcast Studio on the 24th floor of One World Trade Center in New York. It's edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. Design is by Alicia Haberman. Theme song is by Abel Paris at Commuter. Special thanks to all the CNXers who have contributed. And thank you for listening. Until next time.